Welcome to the Human Predator Pack Mule Podcast. I'm your host, Todd Baumgartner. I'm a strength and conditioning coach, I'm a writer, and I'm an outdoors person just like you. And I created this show to help you be more successful in the outdoors, both by training your body to handle the rigors of each hunt and to do it over the long haul, and to introduce you to some great guests they are going to teach you some skills and tell you some great stories. Again, I'm Todd Baumgartner, and this is the Human Predator Pack Mule Podcast. Ladies and gents, welcome back to the podcast. Um, I'm introducing you to someone that's really important to me today. Uh, his name's Bill Hartman. He's been my mentor for the past few years, you know. But you know, I've been following him since I first started coming up in in the training industry, and man, just learning from him has been huge for me. And and this podcast is really going to help you understand more about training and what it is, and why it's important to actually understand training. And, and go and, and layer the, the things that you need to develop to be ready to go do the things that you want to do in a certain way and, and doing it with some kind of planning and thinking about it in a smart way. It's just so important and, and Bill is going to help you understand that and it's a great conversation. Um, I think you're really going to enjoy it. I think you're going to learn a lot. I think at the other end of this conversation, you're going to be like, man, that makes total sense to me. I understand why I need to train. And think about what I'm trying to do and not just go push myself like crazy all the time and feel like I'm going to fart blood and cough up my liver. Because you don't need those things. But I'm going to cut you loose now. We're going to get into this podcast. Listen, if you have questions, comments, concerns, you know, shoot me a note. Shoot me a note on Instagram, at bumtod, or at the Human Predator Pack Mule Instagram, at Human Predator Pack Mule on Instagram. I also welcome your emails. Feel free to shoot me one, at Human Predator Pack Mule at gmail.com. Let's get into this show. Uh, I'm excited about today's podcast because for several reasons. So, Bill, you've been my mentor for what? Jeez, I, I sent you an email. I think it was like 2017. And I was like, hey, I uh, I need a mentor. Will you be my mentor? <laughs> and you were like, yeah, when do we talk? And And we've been talking for geez every two weeks for like three three years now and it's been that long long. and you've been an an immense influence on on not only my my career and what I do for a living but just on my life so it's exciting to to be able to have a conversation with you and I'm excited about this because you know when we would do the strength faction podcast for listeners that don't know this I had we have a whole other business called strength faction and it's all towards education uh, educating other trainers and uh, you know it's different because when I talk to you there Bill everybody knows who you are already so I get I get to introduce you to an entirely new set of folks and you could have a bigger impact on their lives so I'm pumped about that that's exciting it is exciting Bill, I, so in, in in keeping with that idea, a lot of folks, well, most of the folks that listen to this aren't going to know you. And I, I, can you just like, hey, I'm Bill Hartman. This is who I am. This is what I do. Can we do that real quick? Yeah, I'm Bill Hartman, and uh, I am the co-owner of a, a nationally recognized uh, training facility called Indianapolis Fitness and Sports Training. So we go by iFast. Um, I also have a physical therapy practice within that within that company. So that's mostly what I'm I'm known for. Um, let's see, I wrote a book 
called All Gain No Pain for folks that were coming off of physical therapy a while back. Um, got a website, BillHartmanPT.com. Basically, what I do now, on I, probably on the on the the largest scale, it, my my goal is to, to try to educate other people um, in regards to to what we talk about. So training, rehab, etc. So so that would be where I am investing most of my my energies at this point. Um, and I do a little bit of the mentoring thing, as as you you mentioned. So I do a little bit of that too. So. But most of most of where where my my enjoyment comes from is actually starting to to shift towards the education side of things. Yeah. Well, then I feel as though we're helping you live out your mission here a little bit, getting get you on some new ears. So I I know mm-hmm. I texted you a list of things I want to talk about, and and one of the things mm-hmm. that you know you've helped me understand over the course of years um, is actually how to condition how to understand how, what your body needs to be generally prepared to be able to then move towards a specific task. And, and that's really what I want hunters to understand is that like, Hey, you know, mainly the message that I get that, that, that I see since I've been looking around in the industry and for training and what I hear from guys is they feel like if you're not training so hard that you're going to fart blood, like you're not doing something right. You know what I mean? I, I, I want them to understand that's just not how it works. So honestly, I just want to have a general discussion with you about that. Maybe let's talk about some pain stuff and working around and what it might mean and what you can do. And it doesn't mean that you're broken Uh and all of those kind of things. So um, let's go, let's go conditioning big to small. I'm interested to see where you want to start with that. So I'm not even going to say anything else. You're not going to say anything else right now is what I'm saying is like, you you start with that topic wherever you want, and I'm just going to try to poke and prod questions to get more out of it. Sure. So. Okay. So so the the reason that we want to do this is is we one we want to be effective. You want to have a good time, and you don't want you don't want your physicality to be the limiting factor because the minute that happens, it's no longer fun, right? And and that doesn't mean it's not challenging and physically demanding. It just means that that you do have the capacity to meet the demands of the activity that you've selected. So if we're talking about you know, you have to rock an 80 pound pack, you know, a bunch of miles, or I got to do some climbing or, or I got to lift and carry and push and pull. I want to make sure I have the capacity to do that. And, and so that's what we're talking about. We're talking about physically preparing yourself for the, for the task demands. And rather than just saying like, all I got to do is go, go bust my butt and, and I'll be fine. We can actually look at this from the perspective uh, if I do certain activities that produce a certain outcome within me from a physiology standpoint, so the way that my cells change, the way that my muscles change, the way that my my heart uh, changes its ability to perform will strongly influence those outcomes. And it and it, I don't have to do the exact thing, you know. So it's like while specificity does rule. Um, you know, if, if I have to carry a big heavy pack and then if I have to go up inclines, that's not the only thing that, that I can do to actually help me get to where I want to go because we can make changes within the body doing many different ways that actually support those activities. And so you're very, very familiar with those types of things that you've done in the gym that when you do go to do your specific work have made things so much easier you know, so it's not just about going out and doing the thing. 
I can I can actually um, enhance the machinery, if you will, of the of the muscles themselves. So the stuff that's in the muscles that gives you the endurance, I can actually make more of that by training a certain way. The stuff that gives you the the strength capabilities to lift and carry and push and pull and climb, I don't need to just do those activities. I can actually do the supportive element that will again enhance my ability when I do go to that level of specificity. And so that that's what needs to be appreciated. And it's not just going out and killing yourself with those specific activities. Um, I can I can be a little kinder and gentler, and uh, and develop those those capacities in many different ways that will ultimately support again the the, the task demands. So I think that's where you want to go. Am that's I it. I, I so let's let's I want to pull it back and do some some quick definitions and the, the two yep. things I want to, I'm going to put this on your, on your plate. So you can remember that I want to talk about this. Um, I want to talk about, so you're saying like building the machinery. I want let's, I want to give some solid examples of that because that's something that I've started talking about and I, and I yeah. want people to get. And another thing I want to talk about is like why, why it's important to not always let your, get your heart rate up super high when you're doing conditioning training right. and what that means. But like, so specificity yeah. When we say that in, in a strength conditioning terms, it means like as close to the task or, or the thing that you're doing. So like, for example, if you're concerned about your pack out, it would be going and rucking and doing that would be your specific stuff. And just to mm-hmm. summarize what Bill is saying is we can go into the gym. We can do a lot of other stuff that's going to prepare our body to do that and go do it well mm-hmm. without, actually, uh, without actually doing the thing. Um, so for, I, I have a, just a quick story, Bill, and then I want to cut back into you. It was like, I had a kid that was sure. getting ready to ship off for the military. And after he was going to, he had basic, and then he was going to go right to um, uh, some kind of advanced school. I don't remember which school. I think, I think it was infantry or intelligence or something. And he was saying mm-hmm. about, you know, he's like, he wanted to get ready for his PT test. And he was like, I was like, well, all right, well, I wrote his program for him. He's like, there's not pushups. There's not anything. There's not sit-ups. There's not any of these things on here. He's like, there's no way I'm going to pass without doing it. I was like, give me, give me a month and trust me. And then we'll see where we're at. And we didn't do any of those things. And he, the next time he did his PT test, he just flew through it. So it's one of those things I just wanted people to understand. So let's go, let's pull back and let's talk about some of those other things about like maybe a specific example of building the the machinery and how that carries over and why, Mm -hmm you don't want to get your heart rate through the roof all the time. Right. Okay. So the, the, a higher heart rate tends to, to represent the the level of output. Um, And, but the way that we produce energy, we, we do it in, in several different ways. And if we're trying to enhance one aspect of that, so, so we're, we're talking about the, let's just talk about the long-term endurance um, uh, aspect of things. So if, if I allow my heart rate to get too high, if I mean, try to maintain too high a level of output for, for an extended period of time, then I actually create, um, it, even at the cell level, I create these enzymes that break down the, the, the energy um, in a different way that would actually enhance my ability to create more fatigue. And then that actually limits my ultimate performance when I do go to become specific. Um, So it it would be like um, uh, somebody that wants to run a marathon, 
by doing like 100 meter runs over and over again and over again at, at maximum output, you would never accumulate enough uh, enough time to actually create the endurance and the, the way that your body would respond to that would be totally different than from maintaining the, the longer, slower uh, paces. So as I do those things at a lower intensity or within a specific intensity range, I actually create more of the, of the cellular machinery. So, so people talk about mitochondria in cells. So we actually create more of those. And those are actually the things that helps you increase your endurance. Um, because the more of those you have, the more energy you can produce at a lower effort. Um, and, and over time, as you accumulate this machinery, you can increase the amount of energy that you put out and not accumulate as much fatigue. And so we, we have methods that actually help us enhance that aspect of, of development. And again, it doesn't require that we do the actual task because all we're trying to do is change the, the, the structure within the cells themselves. And then we can use those structures in our, in our specific activity. So um, the, the other thing that, would, that I would offer you is that when you're constantly trying to drive your heart rates very, very high, you're relying on these other short-term energy processes. It also stimulates a lot of restrictive type muscle activity that, that actually may make everything that you do more effortful to begin with. So, so the, the, all you have to do is think about doing some sort of higher intensity activity and you can feel the amount of muscle tension that you have to create to do it. So, so my force production goes, goes up for everything that I do and that can ultimately become restrictive because it reduces blood flow. And if I reduce blood flow to the muscles, then I don't get the endurance change. And so again, constantly trying to push the limit of your, of your output while there are some times where that is very, very useful to do it consistently can actually be destructive to the ultimate goal. Yeah, perfect. So, um, I guess the, 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 the question based on that would be, so when is it appropriate to do some really high heart rate work? I mean, I'm doing some with my hunters. We do some threshold training. We do some cardiac Uh power type training. So when are these things are appropriate? Cause I know guys like there is a certain element of the, of the psychology of actually having that feeling sometimes. So it's like when you go out in the mountains, like I felt this. When is it appropriate? Right. Well, the first thing that I would say is that, that you want to try to build this on, on a foundation of, of endurance first and foremost, because the higher the, the energy output, it can actually be destructive to your endurance over time. So I'd say establish that relationship first, because one, it takes the most amount of time to develop that. So anytime you're constructing actual tissue. So if I'm trying to create something in the cell that's going to give me endurance, I have to physically create that. So every cell has a factory inside of it that makes all the stuff, right? So I have to make that first and foremost. So I have this foundation because ultimately the higher the intensity of effort, the more destructive. So it's sort of like having a buffer of endurance before I do any of this, this higher threshold type of work. But because you're going to be exposed to this type of uh, intensity in, in the, the activity of choice to begin with, 
I have to make sure that I am exposing myself to that in, in my, in my training. So I, one, I have an awareness, like just being self-aware that I am now in this level of intensity. And then I know that I can sustain this for a certain amount of time without the fear that I'm going to have some sort of negative consequence of I'm either going to have to stop the activity or something bad could happen. So again, if I, if I have to rely on, on such high intensity efforts without any exposure to it, and I, I increase the amount of muscle activity and I restrict my movement, that can actually result in pain or I could it could result in an injury because I don't move as well as I did before. And so again, that's one of these reasons why we like to expose people to this level of intensity is because I want you to be able to maintain all of your movement capabilities so you are as adaptable as possible. Think of all the terrains that you're going to be exposed to that demand agility and movement. I mean, just something as simple as, as trying to uh, um, uh, work on an incline where you're, where you're maybe you have to climb up and, and I need to make sure that I can step high enough to, to get a foothold or a handhold and to be able to do that. If I can't do that, then I'm going to suffer the consequences or I'm going to find a way to do that that compromises my, my physical health. Yeah, so it sounds like the things that we have to be mindful is, is not only like, can I work really hard, but can I do it with good movement, with clean movement, with movement that actually, um, you know, isn't, uh, isn't limited. So it's like, you know, I have good joint ranges of motion. I am able to be strong in those joint ranges of motion. And it's not just like, I'm going to go work my balls off. It's yeah. like, I need to be able to do it well. Like, like th- I don't think there's any question that people can work really, really hard. The question is, is can you work really, really hard and maintain other aspects of your capabilities that you need at the same time? So um, the, the, one of the examples that I always use, if, if you watch like the Olympics on TV and you watch track and field, and all you got to do is watch the 400 meter uh, run, which is now a 400 meter sprint, of course. And you watch the last 100 meters compared to the first 100 meters, and you see how loose and and fluid these runners are at the beginning of the race. And then they're they're putting maximum output, like their absolute maximum output for for you know 45 seconds, which is incredibly difficult to do. And so those last 10 seconds of that effort, because of the way that they have to produce energy, constrains the entire system. So they actually lose motion. And you can see the, the, the way that they run changes dramatically, where they become almost stiff. And they even call it tightening up at the end of the race, because you literally do. So imagine, you know, being out, you know, in, in nature with a heavy pack on, and pushing yourself to to a near limit under certain circumstances and literally not having the the movement capabilities to access you know like i said the the ability to position yourself or to tolerate the position or to tolerate the load and then you're walking around you're trying to 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 finish a ruck with back pain or you're trying to you know you're trying to go out there and enjoy yourself on a, on a, on a trip and you can't do that because you literally hurt because of the physicality that you've been exposed to. So it sounds like it's, it's important to be strong and resilient and like have the structural integrity of your body to be able to move well and not just do the specific thing, but also that if you are able to keep your heart rate from getting up that high, 
while you're doing these things like that would be the goal not necessarily like oh no matter what i'm gonna go push my ass off um with my heart rate high because you know one of the things that you and 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 joel jameson and, and mark mclaughlin and some other really smart guys have you know really influenced my thinking by is like you know when you're tired and you're not conscious of it you create really bad habits for your body and then when you get to that level of fatigue again your brain defaults to those bad patterns that you trained it into. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. But so, so that's why we do train is so one, we get the repeat exposures. And so you do gain an an awareness, whether you're, whether you're conscious of that awareness or not, your, your brain and your body do know what you're up against. And so again, if if you do default to a, a limitation, um, you know, just because you're trying to maintain some level of, of, production or output, um, it becomes interference instead of support. And, and that's what we want to try to avoid. And again, the, the, while there are some people that can go out and just totally, you know, bust themselves and be successful, it is, it is the, the small percentage of people, much like any athlete, you know, we have to look at this as an athletic endeavor. And we have this broad spectrum of people that enjoy these activities you know, we, we can't just rely on somebody that happens to have the superior, you know, genetics to be the best at this and, and use that strategy. It's like, I just go out and I kill myself. Okay, great. That worked for you. You know, for the rest of the population, we need to, we actually need to construct someone, you know, from, from a physiological standpoint um, that allows them to be successful um, in, in this, this, this realm of physicality. I think, well, that's, there's so many examples of that. Like there's a lot in, in, in the hunting industry, there are some guys that can go out and just do this crazy shit. And it really does influence how guys think about what they should be doing. And it's like, it's weird because there becomes this internal judgment of like, well, if he can do it and that's how he prepares, that must be the best way to do it. And it's just a, it's just a, people just don't get that yet. So I'm really happy that you said that. Well, I, I, and it doesn't matter what, it doesn't matter what type of activity that we're talking about. So when you look at the best of the best, they are genetically predetermined to be the best. So um, you're not going to take a, we talked about baseball. You're not going to take some average Joe and turn him into a 95 mile an hour fastball pitcher. It's not possible. Like those people were, were, you know, struck by lightning or the gods smiled upon them and gave them certain superhuman abilities to allow them to do this. And, and so there's going to be people in, in, in this, you know, realm of activity that were really born that, that, you know, just genetically gifted and predisposed to be able to do this. And then they were exposed to it and they found out that they enjoyed it because they were good at it. We can't use them as the representation of what is correct. What we have to do is we have to say, this is you, this is how you do it. And now we have to enhance it in the way that that is best for you. We have to look the way I always talk about these things is, you know, from a research standpoint, they tend to test groups of people and then they make an average and they say, well, this is the way you should do it. When the reality is we have to look at everyone as their own experiment and they have to find out the best way for themselves. And thankfully we can categorize most of these activities and we can say, okay, so Joe Bob needs to do more of this type of activity and Sam needs to do more of this activity so they can both achieve the same desired outcome. 
because we'll, we'll get there from different different uh, avenues, if you will. Yeah, that's I mean, that's so important. And that's why, you know, being able to have some kind of testing, at least some some kind of testing done on you before you go to yeah. do something specific like this is important, you know. And I, yeah. I, I think uh, another thing for people to understand is like even the, the, the freak shows and the mutants that we're talking about, it's like it, it, the, what they're doing might not actually prepare them. It's just it might actually they can just do it in spite of all of the dumb shit that they do because they're mutants. You know what I mean? And I think. It is, yeah. 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 And again, it's like that's why you can't use we can't use the, 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 the best in the business as a representation of what it's ideal. And I'm not saying that they're they, they lack intelligence or they're doing stupid oh. things. They just happen to be able to do it. Um, you know, like it's, it's a very rare occasion that, that somebody could, you know, deadlift 700 pounds and run a marathon, uh, you know, w- with any reasonable time. It's not that you can't do it. It's just like to be good at both is very, very difficult. But there's probably a handful of people that can do that. Right. right? But, but we can't use them as the representation of like, oh, you should be able to do that, too, because you just weren't born that way. You'd pick the wrong parents, unfortunately. Um, but that doesn't mean that you can't get better, uh, you know, at what you're doing. But we have to we have to look at this from um, what do you bring to the table from a physical capability standpoint? What aspects can we enhance to allow you to be more effective? And then that's where you spend your time. Don't you can never follow someone else's process. Exactly. There will be a small group of people that might be able to do that. But the reality is, it's like we need to look at this from an individual standpoint. I think it's one of the things that people grab onto too is like a, like a modicum of success, and they and it, it seems as though that is what did it. Yeah. I'll give you a, I'll give you a salient example. I took my buddy Josh squirrel hunting down in Virginia. We have a spring squirrel hunting season down there, and I explained to him I was like, "Man, we got to move slow." He's not he's he's he hasn't he didn't grow up hunting, so he's not like he doesn't have those skills. Like no one beat it into his head early in his life. Like you got to sit still, you got to move slow. And he just goes tearing off through the woods and he happened to stumble upon a few squirrels and kill them. And he's like, well, it worked for this. But I was like, yeah, but you did that in spite of not doing all of the right things that you should have right. done. Like you can't use this as your measure of success. Yeah. I mean, it comes down to strategy under those circumstances. It's like, okay, you got lucky. Right. Like, and- People do get lucky, you know, it's like, you know, the, the, the probabilities, um, you know, if like use that story, it's like, okay, the probability of success for him to, to go clomping through the woods, you know, to find the squirrels was, was like, you know, 90% against him and 10% in his favor. And he just happened to fall into that 10% under those circumstances where nine other times out of 10, he would have been, you know, miserably unsuccessful. Exactly. And so we have to look at it from that perspective. It's like, okay, so every once in a while, maybe you're doing the wrong thing and you're going to be okay. But the reality is, it's like, we can be much better prepared. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's, and that's really what I I want guys to understand guys and girls that are, that are heading out into the mountains. It's like, you can be predator prepared and you don't have to do, burpees until you feel like you want to puke out your liver like you don't have to do all these things it's like uh that and that leads me to it's a good segue i want to talk about building some of that machinery and some of the things that you do and i i made a post about about um doing like tempo lifting i don't know month a couple months ago and Uh tempo lifting and high intensity continuous training are two staples in my endurance training because it works for me because 
I'm one big ball of fast switch muscle. So I had, yeah. this is hard for me. Like endurance is hard for me. And, yeah. um, so I, uh, I talked about like, you know, my workout for that day only took 24 minutes, but it did so much more than, than many things would do. So I want to talk about building some of that machinery. So Uh like, let's talk about some, some, there's three things I want guys to understand why, because I've been getting some guys get me like, man, I feel like I'm going so slow with like, (laughs) with cardiac output training. Because uh-huh. it's like you have to go slow, and I want people to understand that. And I want to talk about like let's talk about just some specific things like uh, like slow tempo lifting and what it does, and high mm-hmm. intensity continuous training and what it does, and why it's important, and why it's like yeah. it's worked so well for for me and, and everybody else that needs to train for some endurance. So great. Well, so so when you when when we talk about the the machinery of endurance training, okay. So we're talking about long duration, continuous output kind of activities. And, and I think most people are probably familiar with terms fast twitch and slow twitch muscles. So the fast twitch muscles tend to be the ones that produce like speed and, and maximum strength where you're lifting, you know, four or 500 pounds kind of a thing, whether you're that strong or not. And, and then we have the other aspect, which is the slower twitch, which tend to have a, a, a because of their, their construction, they tend to influence a lesser high strength output, but they can, they can put out a certain amount of strength over extended periods of time. And, and, and so all your muscle cells have all of the same stuff, just different percentages of it. So the slow twitch has, has more of the endurance capability stuff. So when we talk about in the cells itself, it's like the mitochondria, the, the aerobic uh, enzymes that we need for endurance. And then the fast twitch has, all the stuff that, that, that contracts really hard and makes you strong, but it still has mitochondria in it and it still has those enzymes, just not nearly as much. And so what we can do though is we can skew training um, to sort of emphasize the opposing strategies of these two cells. So, so when you talk about tempo lifts, um, because of the amount of weight that you use, it's really not heavy from your 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 personal maximum effort perspective but but by doing it at a very very slow pace and by not allowing the muscles to relax during this type of training what you end up doing is you actually start to make those those slow twitch muscle cells bigger so you create the potential to put more stuff inside of those muscle cells so that's really really cool because when then when you do your endurance training you have more room for more of the endurance related machinery so that's why you want to create bigger uh, slow twitch muscle fibers now if we look at the 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 more forceful fast twitch muscle fibers they typically typically don't have a lot of endurance capabilities but they still have the stuff that you would use for endurance so now we expose them to their high intensity efforts, but we put spaces between those efforts. So there might be, you know, five seconds between efforts that allows blood flow to come back into the muscle and allows us to produce high efforts repeatedly over extended periods of time. So when you talk about, yeah, my workout was only 24 minutes, but how many high intensity efforts did you produce within that time frame? 
and then you sort of make the the fast twitch a little bit more like the endurance fibers and then the endurance fibers get a little bit more like the fast twitch and so then the ultimate outcome is i can work harder and longer when i do go out and and do my specific work because i have created the machinery that supports that activity rather than just going out and hoping that that just by putting forth the effort that I'll have the, the favorable outcome. That's it. That's so I, I, that's the one thing that I want guys to understand so much. It, Cause I, I was talking to a guy yesterday too. And he's like, he's like, I read your articles on the journal of mountain hunting about that high intensity, continuous step ups that you do. He's like, he's like, that's like completely opposite of what everybody else is saying to do with your step up. It's like, just go, <laughs> go as fast as you can for as long as you can and see what happens. And it's like, Right. I think the exposure to competitive fitness has a little bit. It does. To do with that, because people see what 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 is possible um, in regards to the competitive aspect of it. But they what they didn't see was the the type of training that was behind that. They think that training looks like the competition when the reality is, is that they train a certain way so that they can compete in this way. And we have to look at this. We have to look at this type of. activity that we're talking about in the same way it's like okay yeah i know you need to be able to do this stuff and you're going to do some of that stuff but right now i want to build the stuff that actually creates the foundation that supports that activity so that when it does come time for you to go out and do the specific work that it becomes the enjoyable part of it because one you're competent in your capabilities of output and two as you're doing it you're you're not interfering by focusing on I get I just got to keep going I got to keep going I have the capacity to keep going and now I can actually enjoy what I'm doing. That's the the way that I try to sum that up for folks is that CrossFitters that compete in the CrossFit Games don't do CrossFit. <laughs> they don't if if they want to compete at a high level, they don't do CrossFit. They they do the things that we're talking about and they layer the skills and the abilities that they need to develop and then they go out and do the competition and. I think that's a great word that you just use as layer because that's how we have to kind of think of this, you know, and and you've probably used this representation before, you know, where we talk about like a performance related pyramid. And, and so obviously the base of the pyramid is, is the, the primary support. And so everything that we layer on top of, of each, like at the peak of the pyramid is going to be your, your skills, like like the really the, the high level refined skills would be at the peak. And at the very, very bottom is this foundation of, of endurance that we have to construct from any number of different ways. Whereas at the, at the peak, it's going to be more of the specificity. Yeah, absolutely. I, 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 I yeah, I, there, I, I think it's just getting people to understand that you, you, you need some time and you can't do it all at once. Like, and and that's really one of why I wanted to to have you on is just to to get folks to understand that because it's like, you know, it's not. Yes, the mountains are going to be hard. Yes, your heart rate's probably going to get up. But if you do that all the time, you're going to end up training with some bad habits, and you're not actually going to give your body the things it needs to go out to perform there. And mm-hmm. it's just that's it's just so important for people to understand. Um, so that I wanted to I said earlier I wanted to touch on cardiac output training. Uh-huh. I want people to understand it. So when I tell them like how slow they need to go, that they can really appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the thing that we want to understand is that, is that um, we want to do 
the, the highest level of work with the lowest heart rate possible. And so that, that's, that's no matter what we're doing. So even at your highest outputs, you, want, you still want the, the, the heart rate to be the lowest that it can possibly be. And so when we're doing these, these low intensity activities, one, we're constructing machinery, two, we're actually training the, the actual, uh, the, um, the structure, the piping, if you will, of, of our blood vessels and, and, and of the heart to, to manage the flow of, of, of blood through the body. Um, because of the way that it that it uh, the fluid shifts in and out of the bloodstream constantly, and if if we are constantly in a state of of high output, trying to you know you know, bust your your back to to just work harder and harder and harder with this these constant high heart rates, we actually get this back pressure of of uh, fluid accumulation that goes back to the heart. And this is what keeps the heart accelerating at a certain rate. Um, if we can learn to manage the flow in and out of the, of the circulatory system more effectively, then we, we slowly increase the capacity of the system to hold more of that fluid. And then we don't rely on increasing the heart rate so much. And, and again, this, this takes place at almost this boring level of, of output. It just, sometimes it just seems way too easy, but, but we need that to train the, the circulatory system to, to produce its capacity or to increase its capacity to hold this fluid volume that we need. So again, th th this is a case where working harder is detrimental. It's an interference in this process. And this is the stuff we're talking about with the cardiac output is, is this is maybe the ultimate foundation because this is the delivery system of everything. So, you know, this is how your oxygen gets to the muscles that your muscles need to, to produce activity. This is how the energy gets to the muscles that you need to, to, to output um, effort. And, and so again, it, it's very counterintuitive for most people because they don't feel like they're doing anything when the reality is they're doing exactly what they need to do from a foundational standpoint. Yeah. yeah and I think I, I try to give people the visualization of what's supposed to happen about, you know, the blood is supposed to pull a bit in your ventricle and that stretches it. And it since it stretches it, it allows you to be able to pump out more blood with each stroke. And it's like, if you're, if you're going too fast, that sucker just stays open and the blood doesn't pull. Right. You want to you want to be you want to maximize the amount of blood that moves per beat of the heart. OK, if you go too fast, the heart beats too soon to be full. If you go too slow, um, it beats like it doesn't ever fill up all the way. And so that there's like a sweet spot in there where there's a certain heart rate for each individual where this will happen. And we have a, it's kind of a broad stroke as far as where this occurs, but we can usually tell based on like a, we call it like a ventilatory threshold. So if you've ever done, like ever try to have a conversation with somebody while you're exercising. And for most people, this level of intensity is sort of where you could still put sentences together with a little bit of effort. Um, and, and carry on a conversation. So it would be, it'd be that level of output. So even, 
um, you know, wearing a heart rate monitor, we can guesstimate where this is, but for most people, a nice way to target it is, is to be able to have that talk test, if you will. And then you can monitor your heart rate at the same time and kind of find out where that range needs to be. Perfect. Yeah. I just, I, it just, it just comes back to, to something that I think we need to reiterate. Like training is, is not about proving that you're a badass. It's about creating the machinery so that when you go out in the mountains and you actually have to be a badass, you can be one. Exactly. Yeah. Well, it's just like, any, you know, any kind of training, look at a martial artist, you know, think of all the, the reps that they oh, do yeah. develop the level of skill. It's like, you're like, you're not fighting, you know, you're, you're, you're learning technique for the fight. Right. Exactly. And this is the same way we're constructing the, like I said, the physiology, we're constructing the capacity of the, of the heart, the lungs, the circulatory system, the muscles themselves, your bones, your movement capabilities, all of these things underlie all these activities that people like to do. And it would be really nice if you could just do them. But we, again, I, I go back to the word layers. So I think that was like the perfect representation. You just say, okay, what am I really, really good at? So what layers do I already have intact? So that's your testing. Okay, where are my greatest deficits? Okay, so that's where I need to spend some time to bring those up. You know, so I have the capacities to do those things when when the time does come, because I might already have certain gifts from my parents that make me great at, you know, lifting heavy things. So that comes easy to me. So I, I expose myself to that on a regular basis to make sure I don't lose that capability. And then I spend more of my time doing the other things that I might not be as good at that will support what my efforts when I do go out into the specific um, task element. For sure. When you said, I, I really, that's one thing that I wanted to make sure we touched on as well is um, how long it takes to gain a certain thing that you're trying to develop. So like you just said about strength and from what I understand, and you can correct me here if I'm, if I'm messing this up, you know, I'm not going to mess this up. Strength is mostly a neurological adaptation. Sure. If you make your muscles bigger, you have more muscles to recruit, recruit. A lot of times it's easier to lift more weight. That being said, the main thing that governs your strength is your is your nervous system. So yeah. nervous system adaptations, from what I understand, they don't last very long. So you can it, they take a while to develop. And as soon as like if you don't stay on top of them, they go quickly. So maybe we could talk a little bit about the difference between like um, a metabolic adaptation, which would be, you know, like you were talking about with mitochondria and enzymes mm -hmm. and neurological adaptations which would be, you know, how quickly your nerves fire, how well they fire together, all of those kind of things. Let's talk about those training, those different things and how long they take and how long you keep those kinds of adaptations. Yeah. So, so the, there's a, a simple rule is the faster you gain something, the faster it deteriorates. So there you go. Um, and, and so that's, that's how we want to look at this from an endurance standpoint. So any, anytime, anytime you have to, build something. And so again, we've been using the word machinery here and, so, and essentially that's what it is. So if I need to build things in the cells that help me, help me create endurance that you literally have to construct them. So how long does it take to build a house? Um, is it going to be, you're going to build a house in an hour or you're going to build a house over a number of weeks. Um, and so we have to kind of look at that. So if I have to construct something that takes time, for me to hypertrophy a muscle, so to make a muscle bigger, takes time. 
but I can get stronger in a much shorter period of time because the nervous system has this capacity to increase the number of, of muscle fibers and a muscle that I can, that I can actually use to, to produce strength. And so that happens faster than it take, takes for me to actually build muscle to be able to be stronger. But because it occurs faster, if I stop doing that activity, I lose it more quickly. Okay. And so when we talk about exposures for, for maximum outputs, we need to be exposed to them on a much more regular basis, but it's not something we do every day. So if we pick on you for a second, because you're kind of superhuman in this, in this strength aspect of things, it's like you might need an exposure, you know, once every seven to 10 days to hang on to what you have. But from an endurance standpoint, you need a much more frequent exposure because the, you just weren't gifted in that, in that respect. And so you have to invest time and effort into building as much machinery as you can. But if you were to like lay off of, of the, the neurologically driven aspects of it for an extended period of time, um, what you might find is that that, that, will, um, that will be detrimental. You will, you will actually lose that capability um, very, very quickly. Now, thankfully, you know, if we talk about you as an individual, you also carry a ton of muscle mass. And so that lasts a lot longer. And so you won't lose strength like somebody who doesn't carry as much muscle mass. Okay. Um, but you've already built that. So you already have that in your favor from, from a strength perspective. But for those of us that don't carry that kind of muscle mass, we need a much more regular exposure. And it's not a massive amount of volume. It's just making sure that that we're training that aspect so it doesn't decline over time. And then that way we can decide, okay, I need to do this percentage of this type of training and I need to do another percentage of the, of the other. So, you know, for you, 20% of your time might be really, really high intensity, you know, strength exposures and 80% of the time it's going to be an endurance based um, type of an adaptation that you're going to chase because that's where, you know, you're going to make the greatest impact in the outcome because you already carry the muscle that you need. You already have the capacity to produce a bunch of force. Right. Totally makes sense. So let's, let's talk about developing some of the in, endurance machinery that we've been talking about. So yeah. obviously it takes a little bit longer, but it, it hangs around a little bit longer. So Correct. let's talk about that. Yeah, so so if if I'm looking at it at this from a from a, a cell perspective, and and the cell you know develops the machinery. So we're talking again. We talked about mitochondria. We talked about enzyme development. So this basically we take the the food that we eat, we break it down into its in its component parts. We take those parts. The cells use that. It goes through a a process where the enzymes break it down gradually, and then the end product is is the ability to produce to produce energy. Um, and, and so um, when we when we build those things, um, that takes time. Like I said before, it's kind of like building the house. You got you to build the house. And then, you know, from, do you want to talk about like the specific types of activities? Like we're going back to HICT kind of a thing. Sure, we could let let since they, since folks have that context, let's just use that. Sure. Okay. So. So when we talk about the high intensity continuous activity, so, so we're trying to focus in on a certain aspect of, of muscle. So we, we take the fast twitch muscle fibers that typically are our strength related act, 
uh, um, aspect of the muscle. And we want to make them a little bit more endurance capable. And so one, we need to expose them to a relatively high um, level of, of, of output. So, so what was the heaviest ruck that you used for your HICT time? Uh, 115 pounds. Okay, so you put 115 pounds on your back and you're going to do repeated step ups. Now, if you were to go as hard and as fast as you could, you might be able to do that for 15, 20 seconds, and then you're going to need one heck of a rest. So what we do instead is we'll do one step up every three to five seconds. So there's a little bit of a mini rest period in between each step. And what that allows us to do is to accumulate a whole bunch of steps at a relatively high intensity. So we make sure that we access those fast twitch fibers with the load and then we expose them to a number of repetitions that they would never typically be exposed to. Um, and that allows us to develop the endurance-based machinery within those cells. So now they become a little bit more like our slow twitch from an endurance standpoint. So now when it does come time for us to, to put out some power over an extended period of time, we now have that capability. So you literally created um, a, a, um, a cell that has different capabilities. So those capabilities always existed just to a lesser degree. We just enhanced it. And so now we've constructed that, right? So from an endurance standpoint, once you have a certain level of endurance, it will hang around a little bit longer because the machinery doesn't just disappear as quickly as we would say the, the neurologic adaptations, which are just an output um, from, the, from the nervous system itself. And so eventually, eventually, we wouldn't need the same degree of exposures to actually maintain our endurance capabilities. And so where you're at, you're training now, the way, the way it's organized is like you work on certain elements of your, of your training program, and then you do these little short bursts of like what we would call a, like a mini cycle where, you know, within a month's time, you would only need to expose yourself for like three or four days of a certain element of your training now to maintain what you have already constructed. Because again, it does not disappear as quickly because it required the physical construction, like I said, of the house. And so the house doesn't deteriorate right away. Right. And then through the repeat exposures periodically at a much less frequent rate, you actually help to maintain what you have constructed. And so so that's a really nice place to be in training, because then now we get a little bit more variety. We get to do a lot of the things that we like to do. And then we only have to do some of the more arduous type of training for very, very short periods of time to maintain it because like I said, we've already constructed it. So again, if you look at you, you're a very muscular guy. It's like the amount of hypertrophy training that you need to do to maintain this over time is just periodic exposure, just enough to hang on to what you have because we don't need to build anymore. You already have it. Right. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. I think that's, I think it's just, yeah, that, that layers it in and, and gets people to understand that, you know, the, it's just back to the machinery statement. It's like we're, yeah. we're building the tools that we need to go do the thing. And that's, I think yeah. that's just the important thing to understand that training isn't just, you need to find out how tough you are all the time, or you need to go do the thing that you're trying to do all the time. You need to give yourself the tools to go do the thing. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny. <clears throat> People look at the, the mental toughness side of things as, as this high intensity all out effort kind of a thing. When the reality is, if you've ever done 
uh, like the your your high intensity continuous training step ups, or if you've ever done cardiac output, what a what a mental battle oh that my is. God, it is. You try to hold yourself back and 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 do it for an, an extended period of time. You want mental mental toughness. That, like demonstrate that level of control. You know, for for an hour or an hour and a half at a certain heart rate. Like that that's mental toughness. It is. It, just the output, the ability to self-regulate. That's the thing that people need to sort of recognize. And, and training, the way we're talking about, will build that for you rather than just constantly going out there and trying to challenge yourself to bust your butt. Because that'll work to a certain extent. But the reality is it's like, like you need to control yourself. And this gives you that power. And, and I think that's infinitely more important than just, just being able to demonstrate your your manhood, so to speak. I don't think it works. I, I really, I don't think it works doing that. I think mental, like what you just said, the mental toughness aspect is, 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 is two things. It's being able to have that conversation with yourself and, and realize that you're, that you're going to be fine. Like one of the things that, you know, uh, a couple things, well, my friend, Steve and I, uh, Steve's my buddy that runs Alaskan Odysseys, his, his blog and podcast and thing. And he's who I hunt with in Alaska, which makes sense. Right. And, uh, he and I were talking about high intensity continuous training when I was trying to influence him to do it. And he's like, so what do you do? Do you just put on a podcast and listen to that? I'm like, Oh no, not at all. I just decide my life's going to suck for the next 20 minutes. And I decide that I can handle that. And that's just what I do. And yeah. That's powerful. Yeah. And that's like, there's this one thing that I do to train myself to move slower that I've started to use with my hunters. It's just like to really, because to understand how slow you have to move is I'll grab a heavy enough kettlebell to make me kettlebell to make me slightly uncomfortable. So I usually start with like a, a 20 kilogram or something like that. And the turf in my gym is about 30 to 35 yards. And I walk down and back with one hand and down and back with the other. And I go as slow as I can. Because it's just heinously uncomfortable. It's enough that like makes you like, okay, I just want to walk faster. And it's like, no, you're fine. You're just uncomfortable. And I think that being able to have that conversation is huge with yourself. And I think the other thing where people forget about mental toughness is like, you know, going out and showing yourself what you can't do all the time. (laughs) It's going to just tell you that you suck. So it's like (laughs) we, we get confidence from seeing our capabilities increase. So it's like that marginal gain of like, man, here's a little bit more. I constructed this machinery that allows me to do a little bit more. I go out and see myself do that. And by the end of that process, you're a different person. But if you're constantly trying to tear yourself down, all you're going to do is show yourself what you can't do. Right. Yep. I would agree there, young man. Well, thanks, Bill. That's nice. I appreciate that. Well, this is, I think we've, I think we've done what we set out to do today, Bill. And I, Mm -hmm. I really appreciate this conversation. I feel like you're going to help a lot of folks with this. So, um, but I want people to keep up with you because uh, you know, you're always doing your videos on Instagram and um, you have a lot of valuable things to say. So where can, where can guys and gals find out about Bill Hartman and keep up with you? Yeah. So on Instagram, it's, it's at Bill Hartman PT with physical, the PT's physical therapist. Um, um, I'm also, I believe the same name on Facebook um, so I'm, I'm always out there in, in the social media world. And then BillHartmanPT.com is my website. And so that's kind of like the hub for, for all things video related, social media related. Um, I, I do a, like a, a Q&A about just about anything. 
um, askbillhartman at gmail.com. That is only for Q&A because anything else that would come in would be immediately deleted. <laughs> I just want to make that clear. People try to try to socialize with me through that. And, and I do. I don't even read them. I just delete them because if it doesn't say it's a, it's a question, then I don't look at it. Um, but that, that just allows me some communication with the outside world. Um, to, to keep abreast of what people are interested in. So, so people are welcome to ask me questions there, um, especially related to this kind of stuff that we, we had talked about, because I think it's, um, again, this is a, a misunderstood um, uh, type of, of concept, especially in this, in this realm of, of uh, activities, right? Um, people just don't understand the, the, the element that they could be enjoying themselves so much more if they prepare um, more effectively. So track me down in any, any of those ways and, and uh, I'm happy to help. I appreciate you, Bill. Thanks so much. Thank you, Todd. So you just listened to a great podcast with an incredible physical therapist and coach, Bill Hartman. And we laid it all out. Here's how to develop the machinery to be ready to go out and train and, and get into the mountains and feel confident and feel successful in your physical abilities. So I hope you found it helpful. I want to throw something else out there to you. We are like, it's June, end of June right now. Hunting season's creeping up on us. I'll tell you what, there's still time to be ready to go out there and succeed and feel good, feel capable, feel confident in your body out in the mountains. And I want to help you do that. And here's how I'm going to do that. Two free weeks to start training with me. What do you get during those free weeks? Man, you're going to get that assessment that Bill and I are talking about, some testing to understand where you're at and what you need. I'm going to individualize a program for you. I'm going to coach you, actually coach you, not just turn over a program and say, good luck, bud. I'm going to coach you. I'm going to check in with you and make sure that things are golden. And if things are going well, we're going to keep going and I'm going to get you ready for whatever hunts you have coming up this fall. So, I want you to take advantage of this, seriously. No risk at all, there's no risk to you to come at least learn some things that you might need to get ready and then work with a good coach to actually prepare you to get to get out into the mountains, okay? So here's what you need to do to take advantage of this. All you have to do is email me at humanpredatorpackmule at gmail.com. All one word, humanpredatorpackmule at gmail.com. I'd love to help you and I want you to have a successful hunting season. So hit me up.